This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 187. It is a Monday night, October 24th, 2022. We are powered. By Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue. And <laughs> Will's making me laugh in Berry Hill or call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to their website at alacofindwoodfloors.com. Alaco Findwood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Oh man. Hell yeah. Where do we where do we start, Will? Where do we start? Oh man. I think there's some people out there that are confused as to how we still keep coming on here recapping games the past few years. But you know what? We just got that dog in us. We, we are we, like we, Rocky Balboa and Rocky Four when he's fighting <laughs> Ivan Drago. And Drago's in the tr- in the corner with his trainer and all of Russia is behind Ivan and the, the fate of the United States rests on Rocky Balboa's shoulders. <laughs> and Ivan Drago looks at his trainer and he says, he's like a piece of iron. That's us. <laughs> That's the door report. We just keep coming back. Vanderbilt football is doing everything they can to break us, to break <laughs> us down, break our hearts. The SEC referees and officiating crew, they're in on it. They, uh, they yep, are in on, yep. the, on the beat down of our fan souls. So you told me to keep it short, Billy. So I'm trying to get out some longer rants here at the beginning uh, in the more uh, cut and dry time space when you can, when you can <laughs> cut that down. So I know yeah. we have limited time. I got to get to your rants, Will. I know there's quite a few of them there's today. So uh, but, uh, yeah, we will recap that Mizzou game. Uh, we'll get to our three main takeaways. And I want to talk a little bit, Will, about – I know there's certainly several things to fix, but kind of – pinpointing key things to fix uh, heading into the bye week. And then we got two weeks to prepare for South Carolina, a game that is winnable. And we've talked about it being winnable. And I think it, I, I mean, I think it is still now South Carolina looks good. They look better, but that A&M team is reeling. So I don't know. Yes. You give South Carolina credit and we'll talk all about that South Carolina game here in a couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll, before we get to the Mizzou preview, 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, everybody, at door underscore report and Instagram, door.report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Mizzou recap. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, Mizzou defeats Vanderbilt 17 to 14. The Tigers improved to 3 and 4 on the season, 1 and 3 in the SEC. They get their first SEC win. Vanderbilt the SEC losing streak moves to 25 games. They are now 3 and 5 overall, 0 and 4 in the SEC. Well, it's hard to lose a game when you force four turnovers. But you look at the offensive output for Vanderbilt, it's understandable when you struggle as much as Vandy did on offense. It's a bad day to have one of the worst offensive showings of the season. I know 242 passing yards isn't terrible, but it's also not particularly good. Uh, and you only rush for it's also 57. A it's also <laughs> Just, a little skewed on one play that was a six-yard yeah. curl route and a hell of a play by Gamarion Carter. Yeah, we'll talk about that. 80 yards of that 242-yard output came from that one play, and it was a hell of a play. Uh, but, Will, on to the game itself. What an ugly slugfest this was. I mean, this is exactly what everyone expected when Mizzou and Vandy get got together this season. I mean, this is, this is Mizzou and Vandy. These well, are the two words. Well, Billy, you, you would say that that's what everyone expected, but it's not what everyone predicted. Uh, I'm, no. This is not a shot at you. It's just everyone, <laughs> the over under the Vegas. I was, I, I predicted and I was incorrect. The Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt win, but the flow of the game, I was right. And the final score almost set up to be exactly what I predicted. I think what it was 24 to 20 uh, was the prediction. Yeah. And it was yeah. pretty close on the defensive side, but man, I mean, I, I do think that the expectations of this game, the over under would put you in the mindset that, I think Vanderbilt's overrun points was 18 and a half and Missouri was like 31 and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was a pretty low scoring game compared to what the odds. And I think a lot of people expected going in. Once you got into it, you started seeing Missouri Vandy. We all knew this was going to be an ugly low scoring game. I'm like, no, you didn't. But I just had to throw <laughs> that in here. Well, uh, Mike Wright entered the game for AJ Swan, which I don't know that we expected, but um he played AJ Swan. He played his first freshman performance of the season. And, and I know you tweeted about that. AJ Swan looks like a freshman for the first time this season. And that's actually pretty impressive to say that. I mean, how many games has he started now and, and contributed to this offense? Uh, Coach Lee did confirm that Swan was injured. Uh, he didn't comment on the extent of the injury. I've heard rumors of a concussion. Um, nothing really publicly confirmed yet. I'm sure Co Coach Lee will talk about that tomorrow. Uh, but it doesn't seem like, I mean, it doesn't feel, I'm not, I don't get the feeling that Swan's done for the year or anything like that. I mean, we obviously we haven't heard anything, but it, you know, I didn't see the injury. Did you will? I didn't see a particular hit. 
uh, I didn't even really, I didn't realize Mike Wright was even in the game until uh, like a, the, the play after he, he even started in there. I was like, oh, Mike Wright's in the game. So, uh, well, obviously A.J. Swan struggled. Uh, the entire offense struggled. The offensive line didn't get any push. But initial kind of reaction to what you saw from Swan and then, you know, the injury, because I, like I said, I didn't see the injury, uh, but I think it is a good sign that, um, you know, the, I don't, we don't get the feeling I've heard rumors, nothing confirmed, but we, I don't, I don't get the feeling. I think you'd agree that Swan could be done for the year or anything like that. Well, there's two things this could be. You've heard the concussion, you've heard all of that, and they don't have to release anything in college. So we, we may never know. And he may just come out and be perfectly healthy after this bye right. week and heading into the South Carolina game and be fine. Uh, so there's two ways this could, this swan thing. One side is he actually did have a concussion. It was missed. They, they missed it. Uh, there was one hit. I think it was the first drive of the game actually, but it was definitely yeah. the first or second drive. He took a really big shot on mm -hmm. a throw uh, and it was an incompletion and they showed the replay and he got up and he kind of jogged over and it looked like he was fine, but he definitely felt the hit. It yeah. could be that play. And they just didn't see it. They didn't want to bring him out and draw attention to the fact that they had missed a concussion and he had played a whole half with a missed or undiagnosed concussion. Then there's the more likely side. I don't think there's an injury. Uh, I think he played like shit. I think that he was locked in on Will Shepard. And I think that Coach Lee wants to save face, basically, on that issue and, and save his confidence. He mentioned something interesting in the postgame presser about – Swan's confidence level in this game and that his confidence level was not where uh, the staff had seen it in previous games. And that is what really made me say that's the most likely scenario because he's very nonspecific with the injury. You've heard right. nothing. The rumors of yeah. a concussion just seems to be the most likely. I mean, I there think was that's nothing the most about likely the scenario the is game. he took a big hit. It, you know, it kind of rattled him. He wasn't playing well. And you have an experienced guy sitting there with Mike Wright and without hurting the pride of Swan. And maybe he is a freshman. He's 18, 19. Maybe he was in a really bad mental place. And you never know. So we don't know. I don't know. But it's one of those two things. Either they missed a concussion early or an injury early. Uh, and they didn't want to basically trot him out, have the sideline reporter ask, and then be like, yeah, we missed a concussion in the first drive of the game, and he's been playing pretty woozy, right. or it's the other side. So that that's pretty much what I see, Billy. I don't I don't know if you see a third or fourth option there. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's either one of those two things, and it could be a combination. I mean, yeah, maybe A.J. Swan is a little banged up after playing Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, and now Missouri, a really good uh, defensive line, and he, and he has taken some shots. We've talked about the shots he's taken, and in this game, the, you know, the concussion per se could be a combination of plays within the game. So, you know, I, I don't have a, a hunch here, but my thing, I, I, I'm leaning more towards your second take there, Will, and that safe face, you know, yeah, he didn't play well, uh, but you know, maybe he's a little banged up. So I, that was kind of the easy answer there post game for Clark Lee. Uh, well, we'll get to a lot uh, of this game. One more thing coach Lee said after the game, he said it was a give all the way on that last play and that the O-line simply didn't get enough push. So that was not, yeah, they have read plays for Mike, Wright. That was a handoff all the way. Uh, if you haven't been getting push all day and I, and I want to get to this because I don't, I don't get to it a whole lot later. Uh, I was confused as to why you decide to go shotgun. And, and, you know, I know we both agree on this and, and, you know, Mike, Wright, Say you, you put him under center. 
you know, you put a couple guys behind to get an extra push. I didn't understand that. We, we will get to that, though. But, Will, an underrated element of getting to fourth and inches, the throw to Ben Bresnahan was a low throw by Mike Wright. Ben, had, he had to go to the ground to catch it. If that throws a foot higher, that's easily a Vandy first down. We're not even talking about this. So I think that's something we, we've kind of glossed over. And I, you know, and I talked about that in the moment. I looked over and said to my buddy, I said, if that's, a, if that's a foot higher, that's an extra three yards, and we're not even talking about it. So I wanted to get that out there, Will, and, and I know you have a take on that, as, as we will. Uh, but let's go ahead and dive in. Our three main takeaways of this game, and, and, you know, I mean, there's not too much of a stat report to get to, any ancillary things. We're getting right to it. We're, we're getting right to the beef of the podcast. Three main takeaways. Number one for me, Will, it's funny. This was my number one key to victory for Vanderbilt cash in on opportunities. Vandy did not cash in on opportunities. That's my number one takeaway of this game. Two missed field goals from Bullivus. The missed 27 yarder was brutal. Uh, Vanderbilt had a good opening drive, Will, and then Bullivus misses a 45 yarder. I know the wind was in play. It looked and and quite frankly sounded awful. I mean, I feel like I could hear the the wind gusts in that, in that game. Uh, the announcers were hitting, hinting at it uh, as well. Well, they're, they're, but they're, for the 27-yarder, there's no excuses for that. Um, I mean, maybe you throw wind in there, but it's 27-yarder. And in that I mean, point in the game – Just to be fair, just to be completely fair to Bolivis, he's missed some this year. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt takes here, but the Missouri kicker did also miss a kick yes. inside of 30 yards as well. And he's also – I know he did that against Auburn, but the reason that was so wild in the Auburn game is he doesn't do that. He doesn't right. miss kicks. Like he's a very, very good kicker from Missouri, and he did the same thing. Right? Yeah, I lo- we love. I'm not that. defending nothing, missed kicks, th- but no, yeah. this is nothing against Bullivus, but you know, at least hit one of them. You know, missing <laughs> two of them was just kind of compounded that. Uh, well, the Anthony Orgy interception early in the game, and that that put Vanderbilt in plus territory with a, a good amount of momentum. I mean, defensively, you get an interception like that to to essentially start the game. Uh, but they went backwards on offense, and that was the story of the game for Vanderbilt. So that was one opportunity missed. Another opportunity missed was the Langston Patterson recovered fumble on the kickoff right after the CJ Taylor scored the defensive touchdown. It was freakish. Uh, still couldn't reach the end zone there. And, and that, of course, was the missed field goal, the 27 yarder from Bullivus. Well, Mizzou had four turnovers. Four turnovers. I mean, they, they, it's almost like they wanted Vanderbilt to win this game. They said, it's like the Mizzou sports talk radio host. I mean, it's almost like Brady cook and, and the Mizzou team and, and special teams thought the same exact thing. I mean, four turnovers, Vanny's defense. Well, they played their tails off in the second half, but the offense, they, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. That's the bottom line. I know Harrison Mevis missed a field goal late in the fourth quarter. That's another chance that, that Mizzou sort of is gifting you momentum in this game. And, Man, Mizzou played awful offensively and really, I mean, you could argue defensively in the second half, but Vanderbilt played just as bad offensively. Their defense played the best of the season. I mean, that that defensive effort, I'll get to it, you know, a, a little bit later here, Will, but uh, the, the main thing for me and the main takeaway is missed opportunities. And and maybe I'm missing some. I think you've you'll probably jump in here with other missed opportunities, but those are the chunk of the missed opportunities for Vanderbilt. And that's why. Well, I said, if they take advantage of their opportunities, they're going to win this game. They're winning this game if you take advantage of those opportunities. And we knew, we said going into the game, Brady Cook's going to throw interceptions. 
Mizzou's going to fumble the football. Maybe they fumble a kickoff or two. So I, I, we, we knew this was going to happen. We knew Mizzou was going to give Vanderbilt opportunities and turn the ball over. And we said, you know, I said this too, if Vanderbilt doesn't take advantage of them, they'll be in trouble. And they were in trouble. So I just went back to my first key to victory for Vandy. Will. I mean, they, they didn't cash in on opportunities. So that to me, there's a whole lot more I'm going to get to, and I don't want to get to it all in this first main takeaway, but you didn't take advantage of opportunities. And maybe you cut that in half. Maybe you take advantage of two of those four opportunities that I mentioned, and maybe it's a different story. Maybe you head into overtime. Maybe you win the game. So there's just so many of those to point to in this game where you say, man, if Bolivis hits that kick, maybe we go to OT. And and maybe, you know, if you find a way to punch it in at least once when, when you have it, you know, in plus territory, maybe you do win this game. So, I mean, those have to just kill Clark Lee and the coaching staff and the players. I mean, everybody involved. I mean, they're feeling worse than we are and all the fans are. So, didn't cash in on opportunities, Will. That's my number one. I couldn't put anything else above it. That's my number one opportunity, as as vague as it is. Yeah, I know what my three keys and key takeaways are, but the ranking of these is not significant. So I have no idea what order to put these in because they are also broad. But I like that you did the opportunities thing because mm -hmm. it felt like Missouri was trying to give Vanderbilt this game. Every single chance that they felt like they were dead in the water, Vanderbilt wasn't going to be able to come back, that there was just no momentum whatsoever. Missouri would find a way to give mm -hmm. Vanderbilt life and, and bring them back into the game. So that was definitely one of your keys. I think my third key or in my prediction, I said something about the defense looking a lot better yep. uh, in, in the upcoming games. And I feel pretty at least justified on that one, even though I get put in the box of shame for, for the incorrect win pick. But my, my key number one is going to be in defense of the coaches and offensive play calling before in one of my key two or three, I rip into them. And that is going to be the lack of vertical offensive playmakers. And this is one of my major frustrations with football fans in general is all teams are not created equal. All players are not created equal. You can't scheme the same way with the wide receivers that even Vanderbilt has this season. Uh, versus five years ago uh, when they had even, or I guess that was more than five years ago at this point, 10 years ago when they had Jordan Matthews, Chris Boyd, Jonathan Krause, this offense would look a lot different under Joey Lynch with different players. He is scheming based on his personnel. Right. And right now it is apparent from how Missouri has played, how Georgia played, SEC defenses are scared of one guy beating them vertically. And that is Will Shepard. If he is not on the field, or if no one else can step up on the other side or, or in any other facet of this offense vertically stretching the defense, you are going to continue to see single high safety, stacked boxes, and Will Shepard with bracketed coverage. You're just going to see it over and over. He's going to be double teamed. People are going to be saying they just keep throwing the ball to Will Shepard and he's not catching any of his targets. Well, he's being double teamed and no one else is getting open against single coverage. And that, that just is what it is. These quarterbacks are not getting opportunities to throw the ball downfield because teams know they are not willing to press up against one-on-one -on -one coverage with Gamarion Carter. Great play by Gamarion Carter on that curl route. 
SEC teams are still not scared of him one-on-one with just a corner and no safety help beating them deep and making a play on the ball. They're just not. They're not scared of McGowan doing it consistently. They're not scared of Quincy Skinner Jr. doing it consistently. It's one thing to take shots to these guys. And I think Swan actually completed one to Skinner Jr. early in the game in kind of a miraculous fashion. But it's one thing taking the shots. But they've only completed one, two to anyone down the field more than 15 yards that wasn't named Will Shepard. And until they can do that and get more talent at the skill positions – more explosive talent, guys that can make explosive plays. Marion Carter is a good example of a guy that should be the number four receiver. He should have the ability to bust a curl route up for 80 yards against an SEC defense. That's awesome. That's a building block. But he's not your number two. And, and that's the main issue is this offensive staff from Vanderbilt is completely hamstrung because SEC defenses – are making them prove that they have the talent on the outside to beat them deep and beat them vertically. And right now, Vanderbilt's guys just aren't doing that. And that is limiting what they are able to do everywhere. In the run game, in the screen game, they're just not scared of that. So before I rip into the staff, I have to get that out as number one, is right now, remember the talent level that this team had last year. It is improving, but it is still not anywhere close to where it needs to be. And you're seeing flashes of young guys step into those spots, whether they're freshmen or sophomores. So this game hurts right now. You see flashes, but the overall talent level just isn't there right now to win games at all in SEC play and even consistently in out-of-conference play. Hopefully in the upcoming seasons we'll see it. But, man, this, this was a real reality check as to where this team sits uh, because Missouri did everything they could. So the talent gap at the skill positions will be my key number one. Yeah, and that and that was a fear we talked about, Will. I mean, early in the season, when when they, you know, you get to three wins against NIU, there was always a but. There was a but SEC plays looming, even if it's Mizzou, even if it's South Carolina, and you don't get that extra SEC win. Let's not sit here and be stunned. Uh, you know, and and I think that's something that Vandy fans are forgetting about. I think they're, but it's slowly coming back to realization. And so that was the fear coming into this week. But, well, I, I'm totally with you there. My, my number two key takeaway here is this game was not won and lost on the final play. It, it, we, we all harp on that final play that the fourth and inches for Vanderbilt, the Ray Davis up the middle, not able to get it. And but it, it, that was not where the game was won and lost. Of course, Vandy's only bright spot offensively was really the 80 yard touchdown from Gamarion Carter. I mean, you look at that, that was, that's the only bright spot. I mean, you take away that 80 yard touchdown, you're under 200 yards passing for the game, and you've got already under uh, 100 yards rushing, 57 yards rushing. So, offensively, they just didn't get it done. And that's what you look at. I mean, in this game, even if Vandy gets the fourth and inches, it's not like, you know, people are talking about in that fourth and inches call, oh, if we get that, we win the game. No, you're still not guaranteed a win, even if you get that. Bolivis had already missed two kicks, and Mizzou's defense was dominating the game up front. So I don't know how many more yards Vandy is even able to gain if they get that after that. And then Bolivis has already missed two. So you put him up there to, to try to attempt a 30-yarder. I mean, how much confidence do you have in that? Uh, this game was won and lost on Vanderbilt's offense and their inability to move the football consistently. You're not going to, like you said, Will, you're not going to win not just many games. You're not going to beat anybody in the SEC rushing for 57 yards. That, that's the bottom line. I mean, that that's, that's Vanderbilt's, 
your quote unquote identity, if if it is that, when you don't do that, you put yourself so far behind, no matter who you're playing in the SEC. And will they're also seven of nineteen on third downs. A lot of third down opportunities where Vanderbilt just squandered it. I mean, that you have that many opportunities, seven of nineteen, and you fail. Uh, Vandy also will. They're growing up a freshman quarterback. I mean, let's let's realize that as well. In the first half, he really, you know, played awful. I mean, we, we've we've said that. And when you're playing SEC defenses, that comes to light. I mean, you, see, you saw the win against Northern Illinois, uh, but him struggling. We, it's you know, I'm not saying I. This is exactly what I expected, but I'm not surprised that we saw this type of you know performance from AJ Swan. And and but we this really first bad performance we can say that he had. So and but that means guys around him have to step up. So it it makes the guys around him have to elevate their level of play. When they don't, Vanderbilt has a bad offense. I mean, let's face it. They it I know you're facing in a Missouri defense, but against SEC competition, this is not a good offense right now. And you're not going to beat SEC teams playing that style of football, banging your head against the wall, trying to run the football. And then you have one guy on the outside and then you, you insert Mike right in the game and you know, it's just things get skewed. So I want to put that out there. Will. I don't know that how many people think this, I know we both, you know, agree with this. This game was not won and lost on the final play. Yeah. It was a huge play in the game and it definitely had an impact on, on the final score. Maybe Vandy puts in it overtime with a, with a tying kick. Maybe they win it. Maybe they do, but it, we didn't see that opportunity because they didn't get it. But it was not won and lost on this final play. There were so many other things that happened, missed opportunities, bad offense for Vanderbilt, an injury to your starting freshman quarterback. Just It, it just felt like a big snowball effect. So, well, the, this game was not won and lost on that one play, and I'm going to get to positives. Um, and, my, you know, my negatives – I. I'm not getting to too many negatives because we've talked about a lot of these already. We've had Alabama, the Alabama game to talk about them. We had the Georgia game to talk about them. We had the Ole Miss game to talk about them. Yeah, I think some new ones kind of, you know, reared their ugly head in terms of a, a lack of playmakers offensively, like you just talked about. Uh, but let's let's stop it with the, you know, freaking out about the last play. Yeah, I'll freak out about it. I didn't think Vandy should have been in a shotgun. You know, but I mean, say you're under center and, and you don't get it. What do you, what are we gonna say? <laughs> you know. I mean, well, if it goes that the other way, you would have gotten it. I mean, we don't that, know that. That's the I you do statistically. If it's it, if you're within a certain margin, I think it's within like within half a yard. The quarterback sneak is the closest thing to a 100 percent probability of getting half a yard that exists within all of football. But we 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 just don't know that because we didn't see it happen. So I I know you know say it. You, there's so I, I I wish we could have seen Mike right under center. I really do. I I, I really do wish, um, but it didn't happen. And so Vanderbilt, you know, ended up losing the game. But this this was not one and lost in the final play. I wanted to get to that, um, but well, a, a lot of this, a lot of what Vanderbilt did in this game was things we've seen throughout the season just compound on each other. I mean, the missed opportunities you know, lack of an extra playmaker or two or three or four <laughs> offensively. And, uh, and so th that'll be my second. Will. uh, it wasn't one and lost in the lat on the, that last play. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it, w that's true. What you're hitting at, it was not one and lost in the last play. And I think people are fixating on the shotgun decision to go into shotgun on fourth and inches. And I don't think that that's, that necessarily is the problem. I think that's a symptom 
of the problem, which I gave the caveat of the hamstring, the hamstrung staff and how hamstrung Joey Lynch is by the talent of the skill position guys, by the offensive line, by a young and ever-changing quarterback situation. That is all given in, in key point number one. So key point number two is going to be Joey Lynch has truly been horrific. And it's that is what I mean by that's just one example. The other example is going to be early in the game after the Will Shepard uh, OPI that was called. They took a vertical shot to Will Shepard, uh, threw it on the outside on an outside shoulder fade. Shepard caught it, got an awful offensive pass interference call against him. I mean, it was bad. I'm not going to harp on referees, but it was bad. First and 25 from about midfield. Uh, let me find my that's, tweet that's not, that I just had pulled up. No matter what other uh, team that is, it's not called. It's just awful. Just terrible. That's truly a Vanderbilt's not allowed to have good players mm-hmm. call by the SEC officials. That's the call that is, oh, this Vanderbilt player is physically dominant over this other SEC team. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. But they complete that 20-yard pass, get the bad call, and then the play calling from first and 25 after completing that completing the pass it didn't get picked and called back it was run screen draw you never go vertical again and you have to punt that's that's an example as well as the last play of the game that ended the game is the rigidity of play calling not adapting to situations ever since he has been here not adapting to players or personnel they ran mike Wright one carry for two yards and he played a whole second half a whole second half with your running quarterback who was also put in in another situation in the red zone only to not have his legs utilized one time and attempt to throw a fade route into the corner of the end zone. Just that makes no sense. This is an echo chamber right now within, the, within that offensive play calling room. You've seen the play calling get worse and more predictable as this season has gone on. And the fourth down – <laughs> I get the argument and they will go into typically you go two ways. It's the number one, the coaching staff just acts like it doesn't make any sense that they decided to line up in shotgun or number two, they say something like we just didn't feel comfortable going on, going under center. We don't do that. We don't practice that. So we're not just going to do it in the middle of the game to the second point, because I really hope to God, they're not going to go with the, just ignore it, which I think is what they're going to do. You can't come out and publicly criticize. So it's just going to go on. The other side is you should have that in your playbook. A quarterback sneak since the 1999 season, I think has like an 85% or 89. I think it's 89% success rate for inside of fourth and two versus every other play inside of fourth and two is 62%. There's a reason for those numbers. You want to talk about fucking analytics and data and all that, but the new generation of head coaches doesn't just look at the analytics and data. They try to be smart and overanalyze it. You are a middle school gym coach that is lucked into this by committing a lot of time and energy to football. Just understand that and just make the sensible call. Vanderbilt picks up that first down, and then we see what happens. We don't know if Vanderbilt's going to tie it. We don't know if they're going to win it. I know they would have picked up that first down. And handing the ball off to Ray Davis, we all knew what was going to happen against those two beastly uh, Missouri defensive tackles that just like the rest of the game, I think it was 15 carries for like 28 yards that they were going to get stuffed. So mm-hmm. there has to be a change. Something has to happen with the play calling. It's awful. So that is my key number two. Gave the caveat of being hamstrung, but it's still awful. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm definitely with you. I mean, 
you're not getting push at all in, in that whole game and you go from the shotgun and, and decrease six yards, drop back, hand it to Ray. Um, you know, I, I initially, I didn't know. I mean, I, I we couldn't even see Ray for like a full 30. I mean, he was on the ground the whole time it felt. Um, but yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, number three for me, I'm going to go positive. I mean, I got to put one positive in here. Uh, we usually like to do that because there, I mean, as ugly as it was, and as a van- as much of a Vanderbilt loss as it was, there were positives in the positives in this game to take. Um, Vanderbilt easily covered, uh, <laughs> so that that's uh, that's out there. And Vandy didn't play good football. Let's face it; they did not play good football, and you lost by three on the road in the SEC. So that tells you. I think that's a good sign moving forward because say you play good football, say you play a clean game, I think you beat Mizzou. And Mizzou plays somewhat good football. I, I think there's an argument for Vanderbilt, you know, beating Mizzou in that case. But you know, we'll we'll see. I think down the road, do, does is Vanderbilt able to put four quarters together against an SEC team? Will the defense play great in the second half? Clark Lee after the game, I loved this quote from him. Um, it's from Robbie Weinstein's piece. He said, "I challenged the defense at halftime. It was 17 nothing. We had a 10 point swing there at the end of the first half." It was a disappointing moment for our program at half, but I challenged our defense to keep it to 17 and the offense to keep battling and to stay in the fight. And that's what they did. They did exactly that. Will, this team has that type of grit, at least defensively, that will lead, I I think can lead to victories in the SEC, but the margin is so small on the other side of the ball that it just hasn't come together. And the grit, that embodies their head coach. I mean, that, that is Clark Lee. What an effort by the defense to battle back, keep fighting, never quit, and, and just stay in the ballgame. That's Clark Lee. That's Anthony Orgy. That's C.J. Taylor. That's Jalen Mahoney. Talk about the dogs on that defense. Well, they showed up in the second half, and that's what both of us expected to see in this game. For, um, for whatever reason, we just did. It, it felt that way in this game. This was Vanderbilt's opportunity against a Mizzou offense that was putrid. Uh, the defense, I thought, will matured. They grew up a little bit on Saturday. And, and as, weird as, it, as weird as it is to say, after as bad of a loss that was, I thought the program, to an extent, grew up in the second half. And obviously, you don't get the win, but they easily could have mailed it in and lost by 30 in this game. I really do believe that. Now, maybe Mizzou's offense can't, doesn't even get to 30, but I still think in that Vanderbilt could have been shut out. If, if, if they really tried to. Clark Lee didn't let that happen, and the leaders on defense stepped up. Yes, playing Mizzou's offense certainly helped. Um, obviously, probably you know the second-worst offense in the league behind Vanderbilt, right now at least. Uh, but we hadn't seen this defense play like that in a long, long time. I mean, really since NIU in the second half, maybe Ole Miss in that first half. But, I mean, Anthony Orgy forced three turnovers. The dude's a freak. Uh, C.J. Taylor returned a fumble for a touchdown with one of the most freakish plays I've ever seen. I mean, he that was number one went, sports center top 10. Too, yeah, so. I mean, it went viral. Every awesome. every Twitter account was tweeting about it. I think it's sure. I mean, that thing's up to nearly a million views on Twitter. Now it's got to be. I mean, it, that was the most viral play of the weekend. Uh, so, Will, they've I think we're realizing this team has some dogs on defense. I think we knew that. Um, but I think this this team might be creating a new identity we thought that our identity was an improved offense maybe a power running game no you get an sec play that's that's simply not what this team is that's not what they're going to be i think we saw that this defense especially in the future down the road 
wait till Clark gets some more players in here. I mean, my goodness, that that just kind of, that's that excites you. I mean, Jalen Mahoney played well. Devin Lee had two sacks. So I think Vanderbilt might be forming a new identity defensively. I know they lost the game, and you know it's it's hard to point to any any identity right now. Um, but defensively, they grew up. I thought well, they matured. And also on the positive side, how about Gamarion Carter? I mean, came abs out of absolutely nowhere with that 80-yard touchdown. I before the play, I said, throw it out wide to the right side to either of those guys. Mizzou had like 30 yards of cushion for some reason on those guys. Mike Wright, smart enough to to get it out there. And Gamarion just, I think he surprised the whole stadium with that. I mean, I was like, holy crap. So Gamarion Carter, uh, another positive will. So those are my positives that I took out of it. Another positive I think I can go with was a few throws by AJ there early. I mean, that throw to get to evade pressure and get it out to, uh, um, to Quincy, Quincy Skinner was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, so you saw a few bright spots from AJ, but for the most part, it was bad. It was the freshman performance, uh, that we feared. And of course it comes at the worst possible time on the road against Missouri, but he'll, he'll come back. Well, he'll be better. And, and I expect him to play better against South Carolina, but the positives are there. They just didn't come all together. Like you said, well, we've talked about the pieces of the puzzle. This puzzle isn't even close to coming together to get an SEC win. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I do think you saw some moments there defensively. And that defense, well, that's the best they've played under Clark Lee, I think, in, in these last two years, his first two years at Vanderbilt. So uh, Vanderbilt easily covered. That's a positive. And the defense, you know, stepped up. So th- th- those are my positives, Will, uh, after this game. My key number three, because I got out a lot of my negativity or almost all of it in key number two is also going to be kind of, I won't even say positive. I'll just say a reality check for Vanderbilt fans. Just, just because of how the schedule is set up and it's eight straight SEC games after starting out with four out of conference, Vanderbilt Vegas wise won't be favored within two scores, two touchdowns of any opponent after their first four games. So this odd expectation that because Vanderbilt likely is going to end the season on eight straight losses, uh, that doesn't change the fact that this season, even right now, losing out, I would say probably a C, probably just depending on how the rest of it goes, they exceed it or at least hit our expectations to be an average season. They beat Vegas's win total expectation. So I think there's this weird skew. We keep hitting on it, and I feel like I keep repeating myself on it, but you keep seeing the same stuff and the same idiots on Twitter. This is year two, really year one, of the largest attempted rebuild in the history of Power 5 football. There is, and I will go down swinging. I will go down dying on this hill. Derek Mason left the least talented power five roster with all the transfers out and just actual number of available players. This isn't a shot at the guys that stayed. This is just like they didn't even have enough scholarship players at the end of the season due to COVID Mm -hmm. because guys were transferring out and, and saw the writing on the wall. Clark Lee is trying to take the equivalent of a below average Ohio Valley conference team. Let's say it's the equivalent of taking Tennessee Tech's roster right now, joining the SEC, and then in year two, fans looking and saying, why aren't you winning? And he just wants to grab all of you that are saying this by the collar and say, I have one class of recruits 
in here right now and they're 18 years old. Like, I don't know where it's gotten in people's minds, maybe because you've seen it at Tennessee uh, with Heupel in what, three years? But that's a lot to do with the fact of where they were when he got there. They were a bowl team when he got there. They were competing to go to bowl games. Vanderbilt literally had zero wins. So you're starting at such a level in the basement of not just worst in power five, but like bottom five in the country, every team. So they have improved dramatically. Mm -hmm. The announcer said it. The announcers were really like encapsulated in the wind. They just kept talking about how windy it was. So you said you could hear it. I, I was like, it better be really windy because <laughs> they didn't give a single update on AJ Swan in that second second half, but I knew it was windy. But this, this expectation, it's right now, it's just like moral victory time. I mean, it is, I hate moral victories as much as everyone, but you don't go from what happened last season and the season, season before and the season before and just in one season with a new coach, in one full offseason, in one true offseason for this team, you're not going to suddenly be competing week in, week out with the best conference in the entire country in college football. So it's just a, this overall frustration of everyone expecting instantaneous results when that's simply not possible. I mean, you could put Nick Saban in that situation. There's no way that year one to year two, even if he was Nick Saban recruiting in the offseason, he would still only have a bunch of freshmen there. And that would be the weird part is like you still have to give him time, even if he is the guy, if he's not the guy, if it's able to work, if it doesn't, you have to give him from where he started four years. I mean, he has to have four years and then that fifth year is hot seat year, I think, or, or maybe not hot seat, but warm seat, Yeah, I think, because that would be a full cycle of recruits. So I'm still being patient. That being said, once I flip over to not being patient, I, I hope we'll still be doing this podcast, Billy, we'll see. <laughs> but once I switch over to that, because of how patient I am right now and defending uh, the growth and how long it's taking and, un and be not even defending, just understanding realistically where they were at. Once that changes over to saying, okay, we're in year four, they, yeah. it, it's time to see some results. I'm going to be very harsh on the other side because I will have given the time and given the ability to grow and build because I am seeing improvement. It's tangible. You can see it on the scoreboard. You can see it just in the ability for some of these guys to get open or individual plays like a Marion Carter. That is what you want to see. That was what teams do to Vanderbilt all the time is a guy catches a little six yard curl, finds one seam and not a single player on the defense can catch up with them. It was nice to see that on the Vanderbilt beneficial side, beneficiary side this time. So I definitely, uh, I understand the frustrations. I am very frustrated. I know you are very frustrated, Billy, but they still have already hit their Vegas over on the wins. Mm -hmm. It's just give Clark time to build. The time will come to be hypercritical of wins and losses, right. but that, that time is not this season. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we both agreed on that before this season. We're still not judging Clark Lee on wins and losses. I mean, that, that's, that's what we said. And, well, I think some fans forget that Vandy is rebuilding they are re Clark Lee is rebuilding a you program. You rarely see that was, someone, I mean, a coach say that. He said it in the post-game presser. He said they were rebuilding. I mean, they are. It's it, the players know it. They have. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you're and you're rebuilding 
in the SEC, in the SEC East, where you've got Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. I mean, you've got to play those teams, and you had to play Alabama. You had to play Wake Forest. So, I mean, yeah, you go down the line. So, in Clark Lee said it. He said, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. Clark, I, I love that quote from him after the game. He said, we've got to keep swinging. And, and, and he said, we're on track because they are on track. I you mean, brought it up to keep swinging. That was that was what popped up the Ivan Drago quote. I think I was I was watching that presser and then reading the transcript, and I was like, I have to. It just yeah. popped in my head immediately. So I mean, it, <laughs> the the personal the personal touch continues with Clark Lee even after a loss. I mean, he he has a way. Uh, it's like Mike Vrabel sometimes, you know. I mean, he's not the most pleasant after games, but Clark Lee they just kind of find ways to kind of recenter. At least most fans, I think both of us are are, are somewhat recentered after that game. Maybe slowly but surely. But, <laughs> but uh, no. Well, with all that said, uh, Vandy ends up losing seventeen to fourteen. I want to hit on real quick, just kind of broad points of all right. In these next two weeks, what can Vanderbilt do to prepare to beat South Carolina? Maybe this is all for nothing, and and South Carolina comes out and beats Vanderbilt by two touchdowns. I don't think that happens. With the two weeks to prepare for a home game, a home night game against South Carolina, a beatable SEC East opponent, even though they look better, I still think the South Carolina game is a better opportunity on paper just because, I mean, you saw what they did coming out of a bye week before Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is a top 15 team right now. So SC plays at Mizzou or Mizzou at home this week, so Vandy's going to have a perfect barometer on film. I mean, you, you just played Mizzou, now South Carolina plays Mizzou, so well, I, I mean, obviously, I think for me, figure out, figure it out offensively. That, that's obviously easier said than done. Offensively, where do you go? Maybe you go to Gamarion Carter. Maybe you run that, that same play a couple more times. Maybe, you know, maybe you figure some things out offensively with the offensive line scheme-wise and maybe blo- different blocking schemes. But obviously, find ways to create big plays. And we haven't really seen a whole lot of trick plays. I think we saw them against Ole Miss that didn't necessarily pan out. Uh, maybe we see some more heading into South Carolina. Uh, but, Will, obviously getting A.J. healthy, I, w- I would point to. Uh, that's fairly important. Um, and then defensively, play like you did in that second half. I mean, my goodness. That that defense, I know you're playing Mizzou's offense, but against anybody to play that well. So, well, I would say keep it rolling defensively. Offensively, it, it's so tough to to – to even put something tangible out there to say, here's what they need to do because it's, it was so bad on Saturday, but I think you're right in finding other playmakers other than Will Shepard, because I mean, he got decked. He's out there. He's banged up too. Uh, you know, maybe find Gamera and Carter a couple more times. I didn't see a whole lot of Jane McGowan on Saturday. So I think you've got the guys, but I do think it is up to Joey Lynch to say, Hey, how, how can we squeeze as much, out of this offense, even if it's, you know, even if it's not much at all, how do we squeeze out something out of this offense? That That's going to be the challenge, Will. I mean, the thing to watch is just you've got to find somebody that it's not really about Vanderbilt thinking they have the guys. Opponents just don't fear Vanderbilt's guys other than Will Shepard. I mean, Missouri, a lot of that game was playing 10 guys within six yards of the line of scrimmage and with one safety on the side of the field will shepherd was on and everyone else was single coverage the entire game and i wa- they couldn't get open 
McGowan, Skinner, Gamarion Carter. It's not on Lynch. It's just these guys winning one-on-one matchups. And the and this is the big part. Every guy I just named, Gamarion Carter, sophomore. Jaden McGowan, freshman. Quincy Skinner Jr., sophomore. When have you seen Will Shepard this season take the biggest jump from his sophomore to his junior season? When do we talk about when Kyle Shermer took his big jump? And when those skill position guys, Kalijah Lipscomb, Jared Pinkney, Vaughn took their big jump going into their junior season. So this year, it's just getting them the reps and experience. And really, I don't know how you scheme them open. You just have to keep taking shots. You have to, even if you don't have faith in it truly, you have to, because you have to keep the opponents honest, because right now it's just going to get worse and worse. It's going to become a parody of itself, how exaggerated these coverages are going to be on Will Shepard's side of the field until someone beats them vertically. I say mm-hmm. all of that because Gamarion Carter's play was great, but it doesn't change anything. It, it doesn't change how defenses are going to scheme against Vanderbilt. That that was a missed tackle it's and then play. some good yeah. down the field. But it's just you've got to go. If that play was a 40-yard pass over his shoulder, I would be like, that's what you have to have because now defenses and safeties in the back of their minds are going to be like, okay, so they have two guys that can actually beat a corner on any type of vertical route. So that is what I'm looking for the rest of the season. The spot's there. They need it. Joey Lynch knows they need it. Clark Lee knows they need it. Every player does. So seeing somebody step up this season, not really because what it will do this year, but because next season and going into that, that's when I expect the offense to take a big step forward. The defense is potential next season. I mean, you're losing quite a few talented guys or two best tacklers. I think Mahoney's gone after this year, unless I'm incorrect. (laughs) He was a Mason recruit. Yeah, uh, I know Orgy will be gone to the draft, uh, but the defense is losing its best player, at least in Orgy. But I think it will still improve with with a continue, continuously right. increasing level of talent. The offense should take a large jump next year that this should be the time you, you have a, a year of experience with kind of the same nucleus. Uh, but it all comes down to that quarterback position. You said, what do they need to do? I think utilizing Mike Wright, if you have to play him or wanting to play him, he needs to be running the ball. I don't understand why he played as many snaps as he did and had one carry for two yards Mm -hmm. uh, in in the box score. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, You didn't see designed runs. I understand that maybe you don't want to get him hurt uh, because your other your other option. Oh, no, wait is a pretty experienced quarterback in Ken Seals. I I think we saw him start an entire season as a freshman. So I don't understand it. It it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if it's just Joey Lynch pissing his pants because he had a quarterback change and didn't have alternative game plans or can't call on the fly. This is one of the most illogical games just overall. I didn't go back and watch it. We talked about it before. I usually go back and watch the games, even in losses. This one was too painful. I, I couldn't do it. It was going to put me in an awful mood and I would be even more negative than usual. But from watching it and the notes I took, this just the disconnect between you're trying to run an AJ Swan game plan with Mike Wright in at quarterback and, and not adjusting to that on the fly. It just didn't make any sense to me. And actually, Billy, it's funny. I was I was Mr. Positivity. It felt like on Twitter compared to other people. Yeah, other people with I chicken mean, little running around. The sky is falling. <laughs> Bench AJ Swan. Fire Clark Lee. That's that's what the, it felt the best. Like, the best slash worst was Bench AJ Swan. I mean, are, are we serious with that? Like, I, that, that, I that thought was... people were saying it tongue in cheek. I, I thought it was like facetious. 
but they were serious. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I saw that and that, uh, that blew my mind. I mean, uh, that was, that was the most mind boggling thing after that game, but well, nonetheless, Vandy uh, has another buy coming up. So yet another bye week coming up. I think that's a good thing, obviously uh, for Vanderbilt, uh, but two weeks before South Carolina on Saturday, it's a night game at first bank stadium. So, uh, well, I know you got to get one more thing in here. I've got to, I've got to give him the shout out. I thought Devin Lee in yeah. general this season, I don't think yeah. he's been getting talked he's, about. He's made Orgy, Orgy's been getting talked about for good reason. And Mahoney doesn't get in, talked about enough he has played incredibly well switching over that safety position and tackling i wanted to point out some individual guys on defense devin lee has been playing well orgy gets gets plenty of due cj taylor uh but devin lee specifically uh has stuck out as far as disrupting plays consistently elijah McAllister had a couple good hits and plays Ricky wright we i feel like there's just like orgy then it's like the defense and orgy and mahoney for everyone this is me too. I, I get caught yeah. up in doing it because they do make so many plays, but those defensive tackles and interior defensive linemen don't get a lot of love. So I no. wanted I wanted to shout out Devin Lee, even though he actually did, I think, have like the fourth or fifth most tackles on the team. And I think he technically had a forced fumble. I don't know if they gave it to him or Orgy, but they kind yeah. of simultaneously hit uh, the ball carrier while Orgy ripped the ball out. But Devin Lee has been pretty awesome in that spot. He's a sophomore. And that's a spot that Vanderbilt desperately needs. I mean, you haven't seen a guy on the interior kind of Nephi allow, but really since Adam Butler, uh, yeah. since you've had one of those solid defensive tackles. And in this 3-4 defense, if you can find one of those, that is an absolute game changer on yeah. Barkley's scheme. And Devin Lee, he's turning out to be a steal in that recruiting class. Has, it's weird. He yeah. has a baby face. It's very yeah. – uh, It's he has the body of like an NFL defensive tackle, like a 32-year-old NFL defensive <laughs> tackle. He's built. But he takes That's off his Steph helmet. He looks, he looks 17. Like yeah. it's, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it kind of shocks me every time because he's a monster and he plays like a monster. Yeah. But he's got he's got the baby face. So maybe if he can grow out a beard, uh, I would recommend <laughs> that. Add an intimidation factor to your already uh, phenomenal play, Devin. There. It's so like it's that's like my line. suggestion here at the end of TDR. I love it. It's like Linus Zunk and Darren Agu. I mean, they're like <laughs> freaks, but they have baby faces, so it's kind of confusing. But that'll do it uh, for a somewhat quick uh, TDR episode 186. Uh, South Carolina coming up for Bandy in a couple weeks. Of course, we will preview that. We might have a week off, Will. How about that? Uh, it is episode 187 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.